Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, coal sores have been around for quite some time. According to the latest research, 5,000 years. And that's also significant in what it says about human romantic relations. It's likely that the Bronze Age is when we started kissing. We're joined by Dr. Maryam Goel from Tartu University's Institute of Genomics. Uh, Maryam, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, so uh, tell us about the individuals you studied when you were looking for coal sores. So uh, we work with uh, ancient pathogens in general, and we've screened uh, over 3,000 individuals from across Eurasia for uh, the presence of uh, herpes simplex 1. So that's the virus which causes cold sores. Uh, we were quite surprised because considering that two-thirds of the human population today carries the virus, we'd expect it to find quite a bit more. Uh, but we were only able to find it in four individuals uh, to a level that we can actually study it. Right. And where were these four individuals? Well, we have one from Russia, uh, two from the UK, and the last one was from the Netherlands. Okay. So it, it, did that give you any clues then as to perhaps how the herpes was was transmitted? So uh, what it could tell us, because the problem with um, working with evolution is that a lot of the time we only have modern strains to work with. So we basically need mathematical modeling to estimate when those viruses might have, or the lineages they come from, might have uh, been born. Uh, but using ancient data, we have like actual timestamps in the past. So that was very uh, interesting data for us to have to get a better idea of when those viruses emerged and when they started affecting human population. And for us, while we think that herpes virus affected humans much longer than that, we found that around 5,000 years ago, there was an event that happened which led to one lineage becoming really dominant in Europe and spreading out. Um, and that coincided with uh, large Bronze Age migrations. Uh, that coincided with uh, increase in population, major ones, but that also coincided with the first evidence we have for uh, sexual romantic kissing, for example. Right. Okay. And what is that first evidence for uh, romantic? So that is a Bronze Age manuscript from South Asia where we have the first written record of it being described because it wasn't even like statues or like frescoes describing it before. And it's not like this is a common practice for every culture out there. So it's very common in Eurasia today, but there's a chance that it wasn't before. And herpes usually gets transmitted uh, uh, vertically, so from parent to child. But there is this lateral transmission through oral contact, which can help to spread quite heavily. And when you have a population increase, plus potentially cultural changes happening at the same time, then obviously you could potentially have an explosion of, of cold sores happening all of a sudden. Yeah, and so would the cultural change have, if you like, spread from east to west and uh, herpes would have spread east to west or that particular strain? Well, we don't know where it spread from. We just know that uh, based on our data at that time, there was a de- like there was a massive change in lineage that resulted in what we know today of herpes. So we're hoping that in the future we're going to get a lot more strains from more uh, times and also for more localities so we can maybe start pinpointing where it originated from but we have to understand that herpes is a really herpes viruses exist in almost every for, for many many species out there uh, and they're very species specific so the chances are it exists as long as we exist right um, but what we found is that the, the virus as we know it today the way it evolved is pretty is way more recent so we probably carried a type of ancestor for a long time we don't know how long yet but it's estimated 
potentially even out of Africa. So we're hoping to get much more data and maybe even from hominids or Neanderthals in the future to get a better insight. Uh, so do you want to, uh, humans, are, are the humans the only ones who get herpes or does it? So there's like specific herpes for almost each species and that specific type that causes hot culture is, is basically only human carrying it, that particular species. Right, okay. So uh, how is it transmitted then among other mammals, say? So that depends. Like, there are very different mechanisms. Uh, there's also multiple types of herpes viruses, even that affect humans. Uh, they don't all operate in the same way. Uh, for us, herpes simplex 1 is, is, uh, is, causes oral infections. So that's what we know as cold sores. But we also have herpes 2, which, is, uh, the geni- which affects the genitals, for example, which you also know as herpes, right? So they're very closely evolutionary connected, but they cause very different things. And so in animals, they can all have different ways to express each other and to manifest as well. And have you any idea how many previously how many different strains of herpes there were uh, and, you know, that, that would have died out? So the earliest strain available before our study was 1925. Uh, <laughs> So to have an idea of how many different branches died out, we're going to need to know a lot more to have more data. Because if we find, for example, that uh, 7,000 years ago, we have a, a strain that is not grouping on the branch we have today, but is actually completely on a completely different branch, then we will know for sure, for example, that these particular lineages probably died out because we don't have any current uh, relatives of that particular lineage, right? But that's something that's really hard to estimate. Now, Viruses can diversify a lot, a lot or not. It depends on the species. So we're going to have to wait for more data to have a really clear insight into that question, although it's very interesting. Uh, are there any historical references to herpes in the sense of, you know, people with spotty faces? And, and I mean, kind of there thing? is. And there's also this nice anecdote that uh, the Roman emperor Tiberius banned kissing during official functions because he wanted to avoid the spread of disease, which a lot of people assumed was potentially linked to uh, cold sores and herpes. Um uh, but again, there's a, like historical uh, sources tend to describe symptoms in general, but like postules and it could be whatever, because there's a lot of diseases back then that were going around causing quite well. So um, there were descriptions, but they were much later. So it, it doesn't have to do with the rise of it. Yeah. And would, would historically would herpes be have been regarded much more seriously, whereas today, I suppose, it's more of an inconvenience? I think it would depend on how much of the population was actually affected. If it was as ubiquitous as it is with us today, I think it would be more of an inconvenience still then because we saw that the genome of the pathogen hasn't changed much since then. Like, obviously, we're seeing that there's difference in evolutionary trends, but the overall genome remains the same, which means we're assuming that the overall clinical uh, manifestation of it also remained the same, right? So, obviously, there, there are more serious cases of herpes with immunocompromised individuals or secondary infection, which can even be fatal in some cases. But generally speaking, it's asymptomatic or just causes cold sores and we all have it and, mm. uh, and we know it very well. And I'm assuming that even in, in, in uh, well, I think the old sample was 1,500 years ago, even at the time, it was something quite similar. Well, is that unusual then, uh, that something like herpes would have remained largely unchanged over that very long period of time? So it depends on each pathogen. There's a very varied way of, of evolutionary dynamics that are, but herpes viruses tend to not evolve as fast as, let's say, COVID-19. Like, yeah, that evolved every weekend. Yeah. So usually when a niche is established as well and it's like the host is, is there, like the evolution will slow down. And viruses have a fast evolution than, than uh, bacteria, but you have to think that virus genomes are like 
such tiny genomes when compared to bacteria because they don't have to have household genes. So there's very little of it to evolve to begin with. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So, but but at the same time, remarkable construction in in that it's proved so resilient. Oh, yes, it is. It is. It is constructed to take advantage of other things. It is very uh, interesting. Yeah. One. And so it would probably never go away then. Uh, as long as they figure out ways to hijack our own system, no. But then again, there's there's so many viruses out there, and there's also like you know not all viruses are diseases. There's also like the commensal virome out there. Uh, just like there's good bacteria, there's viruses that do other things as well. So it's it's also more complex uh, uh, yeah. aspect of it. Okay, you have a very benign uh, view of it, uh, Miriam. Thank you very much for uh, speaking with us today. That was Dr. Miriam Guel from Tartu University's Institute uh, of Genomics. Uh, someone wants to know: Is it true that some people have natural immunity? Uh, like they can shift anyone with crusty lips and not get the cold sore? I don't know uh, um, if there is anybody out there. Uh, who feels they do have natural immunity would be more than happy to arrange a test snog uh, with a bunch of crusty-mouthed individuals. Uh, that would be a very fun item for us. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk. We'll take a break. Back in a couple of minutes. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.